0: Hello and welcome to episode 132 of Shoulder to Shoulder podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan story by story this week we are once again joined by joe turoff of flex tools he is their chief marketing officer he's going to be checking back with us as our guest this week joining us as our opponent correspondent will be landon cottam he is of moon tower soccer to help us get prepared for austin fc my name is jonathan reimer christian aparicio unfortunately unavailable today due to an illness to little baby x sending him and the family our guests best But joining us, as always, Christopher Signs. What
1: up, brother? What's up? What's up, Black and Gold family? Happy to be back. Sorry we took a week off, you know, with the number of games, matches that we had, plus just some busy, hectic lives. We ended up not being able to record last week, but we're back. We're back, and we will talk about a couple different matches in this news and notes. Uh, So, uh, you know, we'll cover cover them both. We'll cover the DC United match. We'll also be covering the San Jose match. I drove up to that match with my two sons, hung out with the 3252. We'll get into all that.
0: I think we were kind of waiting for that shoe to drop. Not the literal shoe, which literally dropped, but the signing and potential transfer shoe to drop that seemed like it was Circling reality last week, but uh, in true LAFC fashion, I guess we will need to record a pod because it seems like whenever there's news looming, it just takes us recording an episode, and then while the episode is in edit, the team will inevitably drop some big piece of news that we will have missed. So, I think hopefully for all the black and gold faithful, we are ushering that signing aboard. Uh, but let's go ahead and start it. LAFC defeat the fight and Wayne Rooney's, we took down DC United 1 0. It was a cagey game, back and forth game, lots of fouls in this game, some officiating questions from FC Dallas, Wayne Rooney questioning the officials after the game, ultimately ended up A Double yellow for DC, something that would rear its head in the next match. That'll become a theme here, you'll see. But eventually, against 10-man DC United, LAFC was able to squeak themselves out a 1-0 win. This did extend the club's win streak to a record seven games, setting a mark which, regrettably, would fall. But we'll talk about that here in just a second. But still, a seven-game win streak is certainly an impressive way to continue on through August, exactly what was going on in July for this club. The club hit 57 points, which ties uh, an all-time high for us, only bested in 2019, the only time this club has ever scored more than 57 points. So certainly, once again, achieving that high-water mark for the club. Lots of good things going on in this match, my friend. Uh, so uh, what wanted your thoughts On Opoku's screamer or anything you saw in this match that stands out to you, Chris?
1: I mean, obviously, the fact that we walked away with a 1-0 victory was a little concerning, especially looking at the current run of form that DC United has had. Uh, Even though the fact that we put a little bit of an experimental lineup out and the fact that that red card came in the 60th minute and Opoku's goal came in the 67th, You know, I was expecting us to win a little bit more, have a little bit more of that presence and and momentum that LAFC has become accustomed to. All in all, obviously, a victory is a victory, and I'll take it any which way. It doesn't matter if it's ugly or pretty. It was definitely something to look at and consider. You know, this D.C. United match and the San Jose match both had experimental lineups that I don't think played out exactly as the best case scenario would have been. But, I mean, the the goal from Opoku was amazing, right? That was an amazing goal, so... Hats off to him. He's definitely a lot of fun to watch, and he is uh, definitely becoming a player that I find to be one of one of my creepers for fan favorites.
0: Yeah, I think he's really got a chance to win either comeback player or, or new player of the year, depending on how you want to define those things. I mean, his goal, the 15th goal scored by a substitute so far this season that ties second most all time with dc united's 2016 just the 1998 colorado rapids who had 18 goals by substitutes and i definitely think that is well within striking distance for lafc given the way they're going Uh, vela got his 10th assist of the season that marks the third time in his lafc career he's passed the 10 assist mark so any thoughts of him perhaps not being able to be the facilitator we want him to be so much speculation at the beginning of the season about that i think we've certainly put a lot of those frustrations to rest you know interesting factors lafc have now played dc united three times someone was issued a red card in all three of those matches We have never once played a match against DC United that has seen 11 on 11 come the end of the game. That's fascinating that that has always played out somehow in the course of these matchups. Um, that's just kind of one of those facts that, I mean, somewhere else in the world, there's no way that any club has played three times and had three consecutive red cards in those matches. That's that's an impressive statistic.
1: Wayne Rooney was one of the ones, a matter of fact, that had gotten the red card in the match when it was in D.C. at Audi Field.
0: And he also saw himself a yellow card in this match for saying some naughty words to the game officials, which uh, he continued into his postgame presser, so... Curious to see if potentially he will be getting fined or if we'll even hear about him getting fined down the road for for talking naughty on Pro. I have to be honest, Pro did not call a great game, that game. It was to our benefit. And so often we have sat here on the show and said, why does pro referee hate us? I think, you know, the one time they came to our aid, perhaps we should stop and tip our caps to pro ref. You know, JT must have given some of that TAM money the right direction there to make sure the refs called a game for us. So I, I appreciate that. So many times we've sat here saying, why are we always on the wrong end of these decisions? And, you know, here we have a game where the decisions really went our way throughout the course of this match. Now, now did they in the following match? No, not so much. But, uh, you know, things were all gravy. As we went to head up north to PayPal Park to take on San Jose. A game in which I feel everyone, everyone predicted an LAFC win. To the point where the hubris may have been so strong that it got into the head of Steve Chirundolo. And to call the starting 11 he put out experimental might be playing it a little light. Look, San Jose put their best 11 against us as many of their fans came forward and said both you know publicly social media without being asked to do so this was their mls cup final this was the biggest game of the season for them and we came out put a right back in as a forward like mixed players up all over the field changed people's assignments throughout a laughable starting 11 where you could clearly see that we did not take this game seriously. And it came back to bite us. A number of players had particularly poor performances. Mendez did not look great in the midfield. Blessing as well did not look like he had a game. He's had a run of form lately that's had a lot of us scratching our head because he's been a stalwart for us in the midfield for a long time, but he seems to be getting exposed of late in a way that's just frustrating. And why, when you have three right-wingers sitting on your bench, you have a brand-new signed Danny Trejo, which we'll talk about in just a minute here, why on earth do you put Ryan Hollingshead in as a forward? And look, I get it. Okay, so early in his career, he played forward. But for the past few years, where he's been most successful is at right-back. We have very little depth at our outside-back positions. And an opportunity to rest him seems far more prudent then just throwing him in as a forward and seeing what happens. And ultimately what happens is, you know, the left side of our defense got destroyed on a couple overlaps. They would come screaming down the right on the overlap. There was no one defending that second player. And they exposed us not once, but twice with it. And and look, it took sensational goals for them to come in. But I don't know. It's frustrating for me that it feels like we crafted a plan to lose this game. Chris, what are your thoughts?
1: Let me address the Ryan Hollings head. Right. I mean, he was a striker for the majority of his life, you know, at UCLA, 81 matches playing for the Bruins, 16 goals, 21 assists. He is someone who knows how to score goals. Even when he came into the league and got drafted by FC Dallas, he had split time between back and winger. So I don't think that it's someone who doesn't have the ability to play as a winger. I think that it was just that in and of itself, an opportunity to see if a player was able to be someone that you could put in that position at another point in a match. When we had Acosta playing as our right back, I think it was against Austin. We had to give Acosta some time for adjustment and we were a little bit more lenient when it came to, his performance, and we were understanding in the fact that he wasn't on and performing at a level that we might expect of a person who plays right back all the time. Why is this any different? This is a player who has played in this position for a number of years in his career. It's not like he is so foreign to this position. And I think Steve Trundle just wanted to take this as an opportunity, especially against an opponent like San Jose, who is one of the teams in the bottom of the Western Conference, and see what he could do. I mean, if you're going to try something that you might want to em- employ at some point in later in the season or in the postseason, you want to do it in a situation where it's advantageous to the player because the opponent may not be as strong. All that said, it's a carryover from the match against DC United, who also is sitting at the bottom of the table in the Eastern Conference, because I see how dynamic LAFC has been and how well they play and how many points they put up on the board, how many goals they score. And I expect great things from this team on a regular basis, and when this team does not meet my expectations, I look back and I think, man, we missed an opportunity. But let's keep this in mind. LAFC had seven matches in a row that they had won. That winning streak was going to come to an end at some point. We know this. And if you would have gone back to me at the beginning of July and say, hey, over the next eight months, you're going to have seven wins and one loss and your one loss is going to be against one of the last place teams and a California rival. I think I would still sit here and say, okay, no problem. I'm okay with that. Look, I don't
0: disagree with you that I wouldn't take the results, right? I mean, if someone said, look, you're going to go seven and one in this eight game stretch, like, yes, we're we're all going to take seven wins and a loss. That's fine. The part that, that I struggle to wrap my head around with this San Jose game is the need to take one of our three, we only have three natural outside backs, to take one of them in a game where they need the rest and to play them as a forward when we have a ton of people on our bench that play that role. And yes, I get it. Ryan Hollingshead was once a striker in his career. But aside from a few minutes versus Charlotte, where he played up top, he hasn't had that role for this team. And you could clearly see that the dynamic between him and Escobar on that side was two players playing the exact same position. They kept finding themselves on top of the ball in the same space. They couldn't connect, couldn't figure out where the other player was going. They they didn't have the system worked out. So as much as said might have played the position in the past, that's great. He hasn't played it in our system and clearly didn't get our system, right? And when you already have a midfield with two rotations in it, And we've seen how this team looks when one midfielder is rotated out, let alone two. It just seemed like you were handicapping the team in a way that was ultimately inevitable to come back from. And again, to me, it it stems back to this idea of hubris, this, this audacity that we could throw this kind of lineup out there and still expect a win versus San Jose. And when the lineup clearly wasn't working. Chirondolo took a very long time to then throw the kitchen sink at this game. And those first 45 minutes were rough. That was a rough watch as an LAFC fan. That is the most incohesive this team has looked all season, right? And yet the subs did not come in at the 45 minute mark. In fact, ironically, the subs kind of came in after it all kind of started to look like it was coming together and people were finally starting to figure out where their pieces should fit. We score a goal. And then Dolo throws the kitchen sink at it to go and try and get the W, which which I understand, but it was asking a lot of players to come in and change the tempo of a game. And ultimately, Ilya Sanchez got a quick yellow for a tactical foul. Then he comes in, studs up, gets himself a second yellow. And now us chasing a couple points at the end of the San Jose game ended up costing us three points and has severely damaged, our ability to go out and take on a good Austin team with our all-star midfielder now out for the match. It just, it seemed like a lot of poor choices and those poor choices all started with the idea that this opponent wasn't good enough for us to go out there and play an A squad or even a B squad. We showed up with a, a C or a D lineup in my opinion, and we paid for it.
1: You know what? I think that, and I'm speaking as a person who is looking at a match and weighing the risks that you take when you try to implement a different game plan I would like to believe that Steve Terundolo came into this match thinking if we were to take three sacrifice three losses but I get to see what a player that I have that he thinks has the opportunity or the potential to implement and help this roster I don't think that he would put him there just for kicks he put him there for a reason He maybe saw what he wanted to see, and all it took was 45 minutes and a sacrifice of three points. He at no point was thinking that Ilya Sanchez was going to get a double yellow. I think that that was the first one that we've had this season. Like our club does not play aggressive in that manner to where we accumulate these double yellows and get a red card and a player is gone. And if it has, it might have only happened one other time. So, you know, I think that Steve Trendolo was weighing his calculations as to what he wanted to do and what he was willing to sacrifice for him to be able to find out any kind of new information about a player. The Ilia Sanchez red card is a casualty of the situation and that's just happenstance. And that's going to happen at any point in time. It was bad timing on both accounts.
0: Yeah. But what, what are you going to learn with Hollingshead as a forward? You're not going to convert him into a forward. We've got way too many people already in the forward position. We've only got three outside backs. Why not just rest him and give Danny Trejo the run? You just signed him. You just promoted him. You know, you've got obviously Raito riding the pine because he's in, you know, the sin bin at the moment. I just the whole thing to me seemed like it was poor choices. Like, I just don't understand when we only have three. Look, if we had a ton of depth at right back and Hollingshead was surplus to inventory, we had plenty of people to go there. Great. But I I just don't understand as many minutes as he's put in at his age, the need to to press him into a new position like that. And it clearly did not work. Hollingshead did not have a good game.
1: You know what? I I think that we also look at it and, and we're saying, hey, Hollingshead had to be experimental. Maybe we didn't have the forwards. Maybe we didn't have the forwards to fill out this lineup. Bale has been, not been playing because uh, they were trying to monitor his minutes. Brian Rodriguez is not playing because he's not. There, there's so much turmoil that's going on with him. So who does that leave us as forwards? That leaves us a Poku and Vela and Chicho Rongo, right? And so Danny Vela, Trejo. well, we just called in Danny Trejo, right? Like Christian Ramirez. Some, no, Christian Torres. But, Sorry,
0: yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> call him but Christian Torres, last, come on, I would I would have picked the, Christian Torres over Hollingshead. But
1: that's what I'm saying. When was the last time Christian Torres's name was even on the team sheet? So I mean, maybe you know, I think that this might have been, hey, we need to rest Carlos. Okay, well, we're gonna rest Carlos. Who are we gonna put in since we don't have enough forwards that we're gonna play? And they're like, hey, you know what? Ryan played, maybe we'll put Ryan in there. Okay, maybe that's how this situation came out, and people are looking at it like, oh, experimental, you know, and and the uh, the audacity. Maybe it was a, a tactical thing where Steve's like, look, I need to rest. I need to give Carlos some rest. I just don't really have the personnel right now that I want to play for whatever reason. So we gotta find somebody to put in, and they brought in Danny Trejo probably as an opportunity to play because of how thin we might be currently at forward.
0: Well, hopefully some new arrivals on the horizon will fix that. So why don't we go ahead and wrap up our frustrations about this game? And let's go ahead and move on to some other news around the LAFC club. So this week in what has become a weekly episode of the Raito drama, he went out and did an interview, which the club had not signed off on. He said in that interview that he wants to go to Club America, which is absolutely the last thing you want your DP striker to be saying when he's going out and doing an interview is, oh, yeah, I heard that team's interested in me. I'd love to go. Right. And so obviously the team punished him. He got sat, But there's still a Brian Rodriguez on our team, and he still has not left to go to Club America. We're still hearing reports from people like Michele Gione and some of these other people around the club that, oh, Brian Rodriguez is this great guy in the clubhouse. And Steve Cherundolo really likes him and wants him there. And Ilie Sanchez really likes him and wants him there. And, and then you have the player going out and saying, yeah, I'd love to go. It sounded a lot more like our team is getting really good at defending their own player when they're asked tough questions about him. Then it really means that he is that important a person within our locker room. Uh, but right now, it uh, appears the difference is $2 million. It appears Club America is ready with a $6 million offer that contains somewhere to 25 to 25% of his rights. LAFC want an offer closer to $8 million with that same percentage of rights. Remember, LAFC spent 11 and a half, we believe, uh, is the reported number to acquire him in the first place. So $6 million is a $5.5 million loss. And at 20% rights, America would have to sell them on for north of 20 mil in order for us to break even on that sale. Whereas if we sell them at 8 million, that's only another three and a half we would have to recoup. And that means he would only have to sell for, you know, 15-ish million dollars and us to recoup that money later on down the road. So I understand why LAFC are holding out here. It's, It's for millions of dollars that they're holding out. But you have to wonder at one point, Chris, is this a bad agent? Or is this just a dumb player saying dumb things?
1: Well, I think that Brian Rodriguez's agent is not giving him great advice. I mean, the whole idea of him going to the Lonta Media in the in the second division in in Spain—what's going on now? I didn't hear the interview, and I also don't speak Spanish as well as I probably should. But I will say this: from the translations that I'm seeing, why is this any different than if a player were to say, "Hey"? You know, would you like to go to Europe and play for this team? It's like, yeah, I would love to go and play for that team one day. I mean, it's where's the line drawn between saying, yes, I want to leave. I'm unhappy and I'd love to go play for that club versus. Yeah, I would love to go play for one of the most popular teams in Liga and I
0: mean, I think I don't have the direct quote in front of me but it was something along the lines of I'm ready to go. I'm just waiting on my agent and the club to figure it out. Right. Which, which is a very, very different thing from, you know, they're a great club. And if my career took me down that path in the future, that would be a great thing for my career. I'd love it. He was like, no, look, my bags are packed. I'm ready to go. Was the intent of the quote and how it's been perceived by many other people. So uh, we don't have our fluent Spanish speaker here on the pod tonight to, to bring us some clarity. So if, Brian is still with the club next episode. We'll have to bring in Christian and get get his perspective on it. I will say the one thing about the Brian drama that has me the most down is Scarf, Jr. That's right. I'm calling you out, brother, Mr. Defenders of the Bank. Now that you got all that flex money, brother, how about you hop in the studio and record us some Brian song, all right? That's too much to ask for, for us here in the community that have been demanding this for so long, that have been teased, dragged for so long through the idea of brian's song all right all right i'll get off my soapbox there for a second but uh, i just had to say that so let's 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 go ahead and move on from this whole right wait wait, wait
1: wait wait! before you go and talk about brian's song i would like to hear your rendition of the chicho song again please
0: no i'm sorry i believe philly has the copyright on that one <laughs> um all right so pull back the curtain here all right so homie chris here had not heard the chicho rongo song and so when he was asking me uh, about some stuff on Twitter about Brian's song and what's going on with all that and you know, what is this chicho song, he did not know that there was a Chicho Orongo song to the tune of Copacabana. So in order to to illustrate that point for him, I, I may have sang a bar of this song and if there's one thing i cannot do in this world it is sing i mean i could not hit a note if two thugs were holding it back for me my shower turns off when i sing in the shower i do not have a singing voice so it was a fairly comedic experience i'm sure for you chris but let's not let's not bring that out for for the s2s faithful to have to suffer through me attempting to sing i feel bad enough for the people chanting next to me in the north end because i'm i'm terribly terribly well, off key all the time
1: i will say this if anybody really wants to hear Jonathan, hear that, sing that song. I have it from the voice recording that he had sent me in our group chat. And you. I have it, I have How it dare saved you. and I will, I will send it to you. That is an encrypted
0: wants. WhatsApp in which there is not only encrypted by codes, but encrypted by trust, my friend. How dare you? Uh,
1: but no, All right. Uh, moving,
0: moving on, moving on. Denny Buonga, Denny Buonga dropped a pretty sick video. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's out there on socials. I'm sure y'all have seen it by this point. Where he's got some LAFC gear, but all the training he's doing is by himself. So what little rumor we've been able to pick up is that there is still a visa issue around Denny's arrival, and he is still not training with the club. So here we finally get ourselves our third DP and he can't even suit up and get out there with the boys and train. So any prospect of seeing him versus Austin or with the black and gold anytime soon is slipping away. My concern here is that he's not going to have an opportunity to get integrated into this squad before we head into the playoffs. And now we're talking about bringing in a new DP in the postseason That's a very, very difficult ask for a player to get integrated at that speed. We need him to get out there and learn the ropes and make his mistakes now before we get into the postseason. Chris, are you concerned about the fact that he is not with the club yet? Or do you trust the powers that be to get this over the line quickly?
1: No, I'm not concerned that he's not with the club. I think that we have done this well this far without him. So any excess ability that is on our bench is surplus at this point. And that's kind of the same thing you look at like with Gareth Bale. I think that it's surplus right now. You know, you look at how well LFC has done. Granted, that was with Brian Rodriguez, who may not be on the squad very long, which I hope is not the case. I really hope that we see Brian Rodriguez stay. I hope that we see Sifu stay. And I hope that we see Mamadou Fall stay, all in order to see us uh, through this postseason, hopefully lifting a championship at the end of it. Um, I think that we need those core players that have gotten us to this point. The ones that have come in the summer transfer window, are going to have an opportunity to participate and and help us get to the goals that we want to have. But if they don't participate in this postseason, I'm not going to sit here and be upset about it. If a player is ready to participate, he will be in the match. I guarantee you that. I think that Gareth Bale is definitely going to have an uptick in minutes because the whole point of him coming to LAFC and continuing his career was to prepare him for the World Cup. I do not see how him playing portions of a match are going to prepare him for the World Cup. So I I heavily anticipate Gareth Bales having more minutes as we get closer and closer to playoffs.
0: Somebody fighting for those minutes, though, is newly signed Danny Trejo. So why don't we go ahead and dive into the Danny Trejo signing real quick? And we'll circle back around to some rumors in a second because there's a few more circling around. But uh, Danny Trejo, who obviously had a cup of coffee with the club, One of those things that and I think it was Max Bredos who called this out online that that so many people thought when LAFC signed Danny Trejo, that it was just a publicity stunt that we went out and got the guy who was named after the famous Mexican actor just as a haha like Danny Trejo. How cool is this? But, you know, the California native. Cal State Northridge graduate has really, really excelled at USL level. In 22 matches, 19 starts for the Las Vegas Lights. He's already scored 10 goals. And if you look at so many of the other fans of teams that are in competition with the Lights, you know, they were some of the happiest people when they saw that Trejo had been promoted to LAFC. And they're like, thank goodness, we don't have to deal with this guy coming at us anymore. So uh, he was killing it. He was absolutely killing it down there. 24 years old, we're talking about a player just about to enter the prime of his career and uh, curious to see exactly what he is going to bring to the black and gold. So Chris, what are your your thoughts on the promotion of Danny Trejo from the academy? And what role do you think he's going to end up playing for this team?
1: I think that Danny Trejo is going to facilitate a similar role to Cal Jennings or Danny Masofsky, where it is a player that comes in with fresh legs at the end of a match, he's just going to continue to grow and develop within this system. But ultimately, I I don't really see Danny Trejo being a out and out starter for LAFC in the long term, or at least maybe in the short term. For sh- I I can at least say in the short term. In the short term, he won't be an out and out starting uh, starting eleven. You know who knows where he'll be in five years, but. You know, I I do. I think he'll be a serviceable substitute and, and he will provide relief in that fashion.
0: Maybe we should just uh, get him on the show and ask him those questions ourselves. So uh, we'll try and go ahead and land ourselves some Danny Trejo and we can talk to him about what coming up through California and being one of our graduates through the Las Vegas light system and what his expectations are. So why don't we go ahead and move on to a couple other rumors, my friend, before we pack it up and get ready for our interview. So first rumor the one that seems to have the most traction to it at the moment, is Mamadou Fall to Villarreal. So he has trained with their academy. He's played with them in the past. Uh, We're rumored that it is a one-year loan deal. But he's obviously not getting a ton of minutes so far this year with LAFC. He was off to a bright start, seemed to be in the starting 11 quite a bit at the beginning of the season. But then as Iviaga kind of came into place, Maria was playing particularly well you got Kellini coming in. You've got Eddie Segura coming back from injury. Those minutes for Mamadou Fall seem to have waned. And though we don't have any concrete evidence on it, there has certainly been grumblings that his attitude has not been exactly what the club wanted to see and that potentially his benchings may have been a result of some off-the-field things that he has said or done. So at this point, what are your thoughts on our bright star, Mama Fall being potentially sent out to Villarreal.
1: I think that we've been very fortunate and blessed with this LSU squad and that we've had a lot of young talent that we see the writing on the wall as that they are not going to be with us for an extended period of time. Mama Fall has been a player that has gotten a lot of notoriety and recognition throughout the, this season and last. And it is definitely not a secret that he is not sought after or looked at as being a potentially exciting player that you might see, across in the European leagues so I'm not shocked however I was hoping that he was going to be here for a little bit longer especially with the signing of Chiellini and him being able to learn from him and kind of be a a student as it were of a player with the international skill and notoriety of Chiellini but You know, at any point, having a player leave LAFC and go on and play in any of the leagues that are over in Europe, primarily the top five leagues at that, it is an exciting thing. And it'll be, you know, a player that we're going to continue to look and follow. And I mean, even to this day, I still will look up from time to time and see how Diego Rossi is doing or how Christian Ramirez is doing or how Edward Atuesta is doing. Uh so all of those you know I I will continue to follow these players and I and I'm excited to see what is to come. Yeah, he's going to be there with uh coached by Unai
0: Emery, former former uh, Arsenal coach. Uh, so that's that certainly not a bad spot for him to land. Hopefully it rises his stock and he either comes back with more experience or gathers value for him to be sold on. Uh, disappointing. I think we all had high hopes to see Mama fall, continue to excel with the black and gold and you know potentially the, the chance still there for that. Next rumor, Christian Tejo, 31 year old, former Real Batiste, Barca, Porto, Fiorentina, striker, outside winger, lots of experience. However, the rumor is that he would only be coming if it is on a DP deal. And obviously we have three DP deals right now, So you could only assume that this would mean if Raito departs, that Christian Tejo would eventually join us. But uh, at 31 years old, Chris, are you a little worried that he is over the hill?
1: No, I think that, you know, a player that is of that age is going to still be able to participate in a league like this. I don't think that age has any any sort of uh, reflection on the ability of the player. I'm going to be honest and say that I don't really don't really know much about this player and I would have to go back and see what their strengths are and where they shine as players but no I I don't think that a player like that necessarily is over the hill I mean you look at some of the other players that have come into this league that have been older and and done well and I don't think that that's really a concern I'm I'm but I'm excited that LAFC is immediately filling a DP role as we are looking to replace and sell on one of our designated players.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's nice to know that there's a contingency plan. If Raito goes to immediately replace him, uh, I'm not so concerned the upside with Tejo is higher than the upside with Raito, you know, but uh, look, I mean, again, it, it beats putting Ryan Hollingshead up there as your right winger. Right. So, but we'll take it. Um, our last rumor that's been circling uh, is involving Jose Sifuente. Sifu rumored to Brighton-Hove Albion. Apparently, Brighton would like him to join before their window closes September 1st. However, LAFC would really like to hold on to him until the end of the season. Having him depart from our midfield at this point in the season would be catastrophic for the black and gold, unless another player were to come in and gel and play as well as Sifu has right now. I'd be hard-pressed to think, but it looks like potentially he could depart at the end of the season and head over to Brighton. Now, they do have multiple Ecuadorian players already on their team. And get this, the rumored transfer is just over $10 million, making him one of the largest outgoing transfers LAFC would ever have if Brighton come in with a $10 million U.S. dollar fee. For Jose C. Fuentes, what are your thoughts on the potential departure of Sifu?
1: I would be really upset if we were to lose Sifu before the end of the playoff season, but especially because Sifu is going to look to try and make the Ecuadorian national team. And I don't know how many minutes he's going to get playing at the EPL immediately, especially because they're already in season and he's got to get integrated into the squad and so on and so on. I think that what's best for him to be if it depends on what his priorities are you know if they can work out a deal to where he were to transfer In the winter window for the EPL, I think that that would be a best case scenario for everybody, except for maybe Brighton Hove Albion who are looking to get him now. But would they potentially, would LAFC make a deal where they potentially take less than 10 to $11 million so that they hold on to him for six months, or if they were to do some type of transfer with a loan for six months. But I think that nobody is going to sit here and say that Sifu is not an integral to our victory as a club. Uh, You talk about how our midfield is very thin and you know when we lose a key player in our midfield especially in big matches we historically have not done well and some of the bigger matches that i can think of are the fi- the CONCACAF Champions Final when we lost Eduardo Tuesta i mean our midfield we have just been so fortunate that that core is so so strong and dynamic and influential into the overall performance of the match that taking out a key piece and having them be gone forever because of a transfer without a a backup in mind to immediately replace. I think that that, that handcuffs us. And, you know, that's, that's just not something that sits well. I, I just, you know, but we are all sitting here as victims of the circumstance and we have to just kind of hope for the best and, you know, believe in the people that are making these decisions.
0: Yeah. Catastrophic. If we were to lose him right now, playoff hopes, silverware hopes, Take a big, big hit if Cifuentes departs right now. If he departs at the end of the season, bless him and good luck. That's what the club's here to do. Raise players up, make them into stars, sell them on. That's how you succeed at the MLS business model. You know, we know that's how it works. But uh, if we were to lose him right now, especially as thin as our midfield is and as poor as our midfield looks when one of Sifu Acosta Sanchez are not there in that starting eleven. Yeah, this would be this would be a big, big loss at this point in the season. Well, Chris, unless you got anything else on rumored incomings, outgoings, or any other news in the LAFC community you wanted to spotlight, ready to go ahead and move us on.
1: No, I just want to give a shout out to all the traveling 3252 fans that had made their way to San Jose. I too was one of the people that had driven up I Uh, drove up with a friend of mine uh angel and his son angel who uh, was a teammate of my son gabriel and gabriel and ben and i we all drove up the five of us in the car and you know it was fun we drove up at 8 a.m stopped and had lunch in in hollister and uh then we spent some time at, at a couple of the parks hit this with this really nice um rotary garden park that uh was over in san jose not too far from the stadium. First time seeing PayPal Park. It was a nice overall experience. I sat right next to the 3252. Unfortunately, the 3252 didn't have any drums, which made it a little bit hard for the 3252 to, to keep the rhythm and, and to, to keep the chanting going. Mario, uh, Mariachi M A M A, was uh, the capo and he was doing a lot of the chanting. And, you know, I think that, you know, it, it Already, San Jose makes it extremely difficult for traveling fans to go to these matches, which is a huge pain in the butt because of how they limit the people and the zip codes. You know, thankfully, Jonathan, your dad lives in Northern California, and he was kind enough to buy the tickets Whoa, Whoa, for whoa, me. whoa.
0: Don't be don't be ousting the family here. <laughs>
1: nah, bro. Nobody cares.
0: But oh, They uh, don't care. Nobody in San Jose has listened to this pod. You're all good. Um, Yeah, look, San Jose, uh, like a couple other clubs, you know, I can think of uh, Austin being one of them, severely limits the number of away supporters tickets you can get. Now, in San Jose's case, you know, they had a very tragic incident uh, when Cruz Azul came up with Liga Mackey's. And their solution is simply we'd rather have a half empty stadium of our fans. Than a full stadium with away fans, they don't want to deal with that and they don't want to implement any logistics to deal with that. So, you know, I mean, uh, we go down to Carson and they let us bring, you know, three, four hundred different members of the 3252. You go to San Jose and they only let us bring a 100 something, you know, close to a 100. It's disappointing, right? Uh, it kills the atmosphere. Kills the vibe, kills the culture. None of it's fun. And I really hope MLS, who has committed to ISC for numbers, you know, closer to 250 um, protected tickets for away fans. And yet here we have only 100 being allowed. Uh, it's difficult, you know, and uh, as far as the, you know, they're not being a drummer. I mean, that's that's solely on us in the 3252 for, for not making sure that one happens. Um, I do want to say from all of us here at the pod, A big thank you to Walter, um, who just recently stepped down as the director of the 3252 Drummers. The heartbeat of Los Angeles would not be the same if it were not for him. And uh, clearly, the 3252 is, uh, you know, in need of someone to step up and take the reins there. And uh, I know that's a a priority to try and find his replacement soon. And, you know, this is just a, a tragic consequence of that changeover in leadership, but Walter did a phenomenal job while he was the director of drummers for the 3252. And so, you know, past guest of the show, really great dude, phenomenal musician. And, uh, you know, wishing him all the best as he pursues other stuff in his life that's going to take him away from the North End. And, you know, uh, he set up a pretty good system in place that I'm sure will carry on whoever the the new leader ends up being that steps in there but uh yeah fantastic Up and our friends at global diplomatic had another event uh combining lafc supporters with san jose supporters uh we know the fault liners were out there with members of d9u and some of the other supporters groups as well too the Aguirre family and everything they continue to do with global diplomatic i mean hats off to them another charity event another successful event when this team goes on the road and You know, not just fighting a good fight for things going on here in Los Angeles, but making sure that this team and this culture is a force for good anywhere it goes in the world. Things I was really, really happy to see uh, take place uh, up there in San Jose. And uh, it's nice to see some positive stories coming out of supporter culture after the dark scenes that took place outside the stadium after the game versus Dallas. And uh, hopefully something we never hear nor see again around this club or around any other MLS franchises or, frankly, uh, across the entire soccer world. It's it's long since the time in which violence should have been abandoned for the camaraderie that we all feel as black and gold fans. And, you know, that's my two cents on that, my friend. But anything else before
1: we move on? No, I think that's it.
0: Oh, with that, folks, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back with today's guest. Once again, folks joining us is going to be Joe Turoff from Flex Tools. And we'll be back right after this. Hey, this is Travis Helwig from Crooked Media, and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Folks joining us once again is Joe Turoff. He is the Chief Marketing Officer for Flex Power Tools. Please give them a follow at Flex Power Tools NA North America. Flex, it's what's next. Joe, thank you so much for joining us back on Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. For those of you that don't remember, uh, when Flex came out as the kit sponsor for LAFC. Uh, We had Joe and Shane come on and talk to us about how that whole uh, ball had started and how the the partnership had come to be. Um, And it was a great story on the background. Now a little bit flash forward, we invited Joe back because um, it's been about two seasons now and we would like to see a little bit about your experiences with it, how everything's been. Uh, You know, last we spoke, we had just talked about the fresh the fresh new kit but now you know we've seen this new iteration we've seen the new the new kit come down where it's got the crest and the adidas logo and then flex is right there across the midsection by far one of the best kits in the mls and in my closet and now you're seeing it being worn by iconic stars like gareth bale giorgio chiellini flex all over Right. So what has been the response to this exposure? The response to the exposure is
2: unbelievable. But to me, the the real exciting part is the response of the team. I mean, you know, when when we first did this deal uh, last year, I had no clue what I was getting into. I never, ever uh, sponsored a team of this magnitude. And I can tell you it's it's exceeded my expectations in so many different ways. You know, was never really a fan of the sport. Now I'm addicted. I literally find myself watching college soccer on TV or any game that that's out there. And, you know, even though I, I've only been uh, following the sport for a short period of time, you know, I literally cannot get enough. So, you know, for us, it's been exciting. It's been, um, you know, really a great opportunity for us to gain exposure obviously for the brand but you know for me to to really be part of a team that I think is so special you know going into the season of course you know the team had superstars and, and you know obviously Carlos Vela I mean you know the one and only but you know just to see how you know John and, and everyone are adding more and more superstars it's it's been you know
0: surreal. I mean we're talking about a player in Gareth Bale who at one point in time was the most expensive transfer in world football. A man who is synonymous with his national team, Wales, helping them achieve their first ever world cup in 60 some odd years. I mean, it's crazy, right? Giorgio Chiellini, right? I mean, this guy has won everything there is to win done it at, at such a high level. So obviously Like, what is the partnership with LAFC done for Flex brand? Like, what has been the impact of LAFC on Flex? Because we know the impact Flex has had on our community, we see the donations, we see the charitable events, and we're certainly going to dive more into a few of those here in a second. But I'm curious, you know, how has Flex's end of the bargain been held up, and what have you guys been getting out of this exposure?
2: Yeah, you know, for us, um, we came into our launch, or I should say our relaunch of the Flex brand, with very little awareness in in North America. You know, Flex is actually a 100 year old brand. You know, founded in, in Stuttgart, Germany. But in terms of North America, we didn't really have much distribution. So when we were relaunching with Lowe's, we understood that we had to do something special, something large scale. And you know what we've gotten out of it, you know is not just our name on a jersey, but we've really, really grown our business in one of the largest construction markets in America. LA has now become one of uh, you know our biggest markets, which you know for Lowe's as a company, it's it's not one of their largest. and so we've been able to kind of flip the scale right there. And from an awareness standpoint, I think that our brand now is being put in front of lots of trades pros that, you know, go to these games, whether they be our fans or whether they be other fans from other teams.
1: For anybody out there that was looking to get any kind of flex tools, there's still that opportunity to get that lifetime warranty. So you need to make sure that you go and get that lifetime warranty before the end of the year is out, because the only other tool that for for many many years that people could remember right was uh the Craftsman which is no longer around but uh now Flex Flex is doing it if you buy a Flex power tool before the end of the year lifetime warranty baby Yep
2: yep no no doubt and you know for us when we launched the brand we knew we had to do quite a few things to get noticed you know obviously the sponsorship one of the big deals that we did the other thing that we did was the lifetime warranty and you know the real reason why is We've been making lithium-ion tools for such a long time. We were one of the world's first to to manufacture lithium-ion tools uh, in in the power tool segment. Uh, the first to to manufacture. You know, with a different brand that that we own ego um under the outdoor power equipment industry. and um, you know, we knew uh, the quality that we put in every single battery pack. We also understood, you know, um that in order to uh, to attract trade pros that might be um loyal to other brands, we had to make the the value that special. And so for that reason, we did this initial deal. Lowe's talked us into it. We did the deal. And um, we're offering lifetime warranty. That's not just the tool. It's actually the tool, the battery, and the charger. All you have to do is register. It's that simple.
0: Well, I have to say, I was doing some work here around the house. And of course, you know... I have my flex hammer drill (laughs) that I was, uh, you know, flexing on and uh, doing some work here around the house. And uh, I realized I I was missing the drill bit that I needed. Former roommate looks like he had made off with uh, my drill bit. That's the particular one I needed. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to pop over to Lowe's. So I go to Lowe's and I'm wandering around and I had like a some other brand or something like that in my hand. And then I found the flex section. I was like, oh, thanks. Perfect. And I put the one I had in my hand away and I found uh, the, the little flex kit that I needed that had the right size in it. I bring it up to the register. And as the lady scanned it, she's like, oh, flex, you're springing for the good stuff. And I was like, you know, I got a friend that would love to have heard you said that. And so I'm glad that uh, we've got you back on the pod and I can relay that moment to you. So uh, according to my cashier at Lowe's, you're the good stuff. So I figured you, you that, would, that would, you know probably not hurt to hear.
2: Yeah, I'm smiling from end to end. I mean, obviously, we take great pride in what we do. You know, we we talked a little bit about us as a company and, um, you know, our kind of mission, you know, better tools, better world. It's something that we don't just talk about, but but we try to live. And so, you know, we know every day we're trying to make the absolute best product possible. And um, it's always, always uh, so nice to hear people, you know, uh, enjoy it and, and and say those sorts of things. So we're we're doing I- our best.
0: Have the sales in Wales and Italy spiked <laughs> over the course of the past few months?
2: You know, it's funny you say that because, you know, the the moment we signed Giorgio and then we filed that up with Gareth, I said to myself... You know, I think that Flex Germany should now start paying a portion of this sponsorship. They're probably getting as much out of it as we are these days because, uh, you know, these global icons. I mean, you know, Carlos already had, you know, global appeal in in, in many ways, right? But, um, you know, to add many other players, right, it's, it's, it's uh, something that I think uh, our, our friends overseas should start, uh, you know, putting some of that bill.
1: So last time we had you on the show, you had talked about your experiences at the bank and And they were limited in the sense that, you know, you had come to the matches a handful of times and you had seen what the environment was like. Now it's different from you. Right. The few times that I've seen you in passing, and we've talked about having you come on. You know, you have been out of it and saying, I know soccer now and I watch it now and I'm in and I'm a fan and my family comes and it, it means so much more to me. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us what it's like for you now to go to the bank and be part of the Black and Gold family and what it's like to watch a match and and to bring some of your customers or guests and what their experiences are like.
2: Yeah, so, you know, to be honest with you, you know, before the partnership, I had friends that were in soccer. In fact, one of my college friends was Ezra Hendrickson, now the coach of the Chicago Fire. But I I never really went to any games. I never, you know, spent the time to, to learn about the sport. And now because of the sponsorship, obviously I've spent that time and I've simply fallen in love with this team. You know, they're so amazing on the pitch, but I've had the opportunity to meet them and they've been so genuine, so kind. They're all great guys, great guys. And probably... You know, I've I've so many great memories now of going to games or you know being around the club. You know, probably too many for for one podcast, but I mean, one that I will never ever forget. Last year Father's Day, I took my son out out, out to the game. I'm trying to remember which game that was, he got to meet Carlos Vela, and I will never forget my son literally crying as Carlos comes up to him and he gives him a big bear hug. And, you know, moments like that, I will never, ever forget. Just the passion of the fans, you know, seeing the stadium ignite and you know, this year um, we actually had to move our seats from uh, to the north end because I had to be closer to all the action, thirty two fifty two, and and all the you know, obviously you know, insanity that happens on the north end it um it it's so special it, it's literally i find myself sometimes just watching the 3252 rather than watching the game sometimes because it's just you know there's so much energy so much passion it's just great to be a, be a part of.
0: It. we know your chevron headquarters are there just north of chicago you have some ties to the Chicago Fire, but I assume when you're going around town, it's it's in that black and gold gear, probably a nice, beautiful flex season five kit on you about town. Uh, do you get any comments from people about town, uh, the comment on the kit or the gear or anything as you're roaming around? Any of those Fire fans give any grief?
2: No, I get no grief from Fire fans, but I'll tell you what I do get. I get all these people that talk about, hey, Carlos Vela, time and time again. I'm in Dick's Sporting Goods about two weeks ago, buying my son a new baseball bat. And this kid walks over and, you know, I said, eh, I'm looking for this or that. And he's like, eh, I'm really not you know, familiar with, with baseball. I'm more of a soccer guy. I'm like, hey, who do you follow? And he's like, LAFC. I'm like, come on. I mean, I'm in the heart of Chicago and here are kids, you know, they're LAFC fans and it's because of guys like Carlos Vela, you know, obviously after the bail signing, you know, there were, there were so many people that, you know, made mention of that, but no, I've gotten absolutely no grief, whether they see my phone case, whether they see my license plate holder, no one's tried to run me off the road. Everyone's been nice. And, um, I've heard nothing but positive things and i'm really surprised too a lot of the young you know i'll run into a lot of young people and um you know they're all very very aware of the team here and always complimentary
1: so what you're saying is that when lafc comes and plays chicago in chicago you're going to show us around
2: yeah i'm going to host y'all right
1: that's what i heard
2: <laughs> we'll go together we'll go together you know i haven't been to a fire game ever um and I think that the first
1: game you know I'll go to is probably when when we play them so I can't even think of the last time LAFC played Chicago I mean it's been I mean COVID definitely made it hard when we had to play all the Western Conference opponents but I can't even remember the last time that LAFC had played Chicago it's been so long ago next year right I mean I would assume it's yeah I think it's
0: slated for next year yeah
1: okay now but we don't know if that's home or away
0: well, hopefully, it's a way that way. You know, we get uh, the royal treatment around Chicago. I hear there's some great restaurants. Joe's going to take us to. You know, so it's it's going to be a good time. We'll to... That's what I'm here.
1: A Chicago Absolutely. dog and the Chicago deep dish. That's that's. Oh the yeah. chicago pizza
2: you know so i'm from chicago but i will tell you i'm not a member of the tourism bureau at all you know i uh, i lived out west for a long time and i'm back here now i've not readjusted to the cold weather but uh, the chicago pizza is is worth it um if there's one reason to come to chicago it is for the pizza
0: i have a buddy who's from chicago and every time he goes back he always flies back with a frozen deep dish and then makes it here <laughs> and uh It's pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. It's pretty good. I, um, you know, I don't try and get involved in the fight between New York and Chicago and whoever else, when it comes to pizza, I'm just a fan of delicious, delicious pizza pie, wherever it may come from. And, uh, I say to the stuff I've had from Chicago, pretty good, pretty good. I'm not going to go, uh, I'm not going to go enter in that fight whatsoever. I don't want any of the angst from all of our New York fans out there. Y'all make great pizza, too. Well, can't we all just eat pizza and get along? You know, I did kind of want to talk about some of the events that have been going on in the community with Flex. Uh, Most recently, we saw none other than our very own right back and occasional right forward Ryan Hollingshead showing up at Lowe's here in L.A. Tell us a little bit about that event.
2: Yeah, yeah. So we've been really fortunate now that, that things have opened up to get uh, some, some great player appearances. Everyone that, that's come out to stores has been so gracious. I heard he stayed around for a long time. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend that event. But, um, you know, it's it, it's amazing. The stories that I hear after, you know, uh, guys like Ryan, you know, come to the store is, you know, you'll hear a dad who drove his son, you know, hour and a half just to, to, just to meet him. Um, and, you know, again, just like my son got tears in his eyes when, uh, he got to meet Carlos, you hear the same types of stories and it's a lot of fun for us to, to make some of those things happen. And, you know, hopefully we'll do a lot more of those things in the future. Um, really want to make sure that, uh, that, uh, you know, we do everything, everything, uh, you know, possible to, uh, you know, to, uh, to leverage, uh, you know, those, those great appearances with, uh, with, you know, the real community.
1: Are there any kind of upcoming events? Any other future lows opportunities to meet players? Are there watch parties? Are there any tool releases that people should be on the lookout for?
2: Yeah. So there's a lot, you know, we did, um, we did a fun build, I think back in April uh, with um, Habitat for Humanity. And uh, we were fortunate, you know, that, that some of the owners wanted to come out and, and do it as well. And Will Farrell came out to that. And uh, I, I will tell you, you know, it, it's when you're a celebrity like that guy, you know you never know how hard uh, that that person will work. The guy shows up at eight o'clock at the you know very morning when everyone else was showing up. The whole family worked the entire day. That was really really special. And what we said that day is, all right, this is just step one of habitat. We're going to keep doing it. I think our next build I want to say is I want to say in the 7th and the 8th of October. So we're going to bring a group out to LA, going to do some 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 more, you know, work in the field. For me, those are always the best days of the year. Uh, I love kind of putting the office beside me and just kind of going out and, um, you know, doing good in the community. So that will be a lot of fun. And uh, we, we we do have some other big plans that I can't talk about yet. I challenged, I was out at the MLS All-Star Game and spent some time with with Larry and with Kristen of, of the team. And uh, we were kind of, you know, coming up with some different ideas, ways that You know, maybe we could leverage the the 3252 and um, do some fun things for them and uh, really create, you know, some special experiences for, for a larger group of people, not necessarily in a store, right? Maybe, maybe at the bank. Um, so we're working on a few ideas right now hope to have something announced you know in the next next few months but in terms of new products man always always we just actually yesterday officially launched our new storage system our new stack pack it's a new you know modular storage system that's unlike any other um, so check it out online you'll see a whole bunch of influencers that have already posted content and um, we're really really looking forward to having that in stores Lowe's will be launching that in um, October
0: as well modular storage system Uh, you're gonna have to explain to me because I hear modular storage system and I just pictured the containment grid in Ghostbusters (laughs) I'm not exactly sure what one of those is so uh, you'll have to illuminate me on, on what exactly a modular storage system is it sounds cool
2: Well, you know, a lot of brands sell these big plastic boxes that you can dump all your tools in, but we created one that was designed so that all of your accessories, your batteries, your chargers would actually connect to it. So rather than just dumping it in a box, you could actually store it. We also designed it, you know, for the typical pro. I mean, how many contractors drive a Ford F-150? I'd have to assume it's a pretty high percentage. Well, a lot of those you you because of the handle designs, you can't actually slide it into a back of a Ford F one hundred and fifty. So we did a lot of really cool things to make it more functional with the typical car that that you know pros are driving around town.
0: So I'm curious about some of your other experiences at the bank. You know, Father's Day, getting to bring your son to meet Carlos Vela that's that's a pretty exceptional moment. But uh, I'm sure you've had a chance to. To rub elbows with a few movie stars maybe a few rock stars uh maybe even bring a few influencers and celebrities of your own to the bank so you know kind of take us through you know being the fans that don't exactly get to see that side of the club what it's like to be behind that curtain so to speak for the black and gold
2: well i you know i i maybe haven't had as many experiences with celebrities uh as, as some others but um you know um i will tell you probably you know one of my most favorite memories this year was the uh, was the uh, the game against Carson. Um, uh, our suite, okay, where, 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 we, where we sit, it's actually right next to where the opposing team uh, used to sit. And so for the, normally there's about three people in there. Like when we play Minnesota, there's like two people. Like normally, you know, owners or, or, or folks from the other teams, you know, don't always travel there. But when the Galaxy come, they're all there. And um, my son, you know, I had to keep stopping him, he would turn around he put his uh, scarf up in the air every time we scored, and was heckling unfortunately the Carson folks probably a little too much.
0: But, no no it <laughs> sounds great sounds great don't reel that in at all
2: <laughs> but it was an exciting it was an exciting game i i did have a funny experience last year uh rich brought me down to to uh to his seats i'm down there i'm sitting down this this, this woman comes down next to me and um you know we're just talking you know shooting the shit and just kind of you know discussing you know the game and, and 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 pleasantries and i remember we were waiting to see if it was a goal or not It was it was right before halftime and we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting, and all of a sudden, goals announced. We're all jumping up, and I'm hugging her. And as I hug her, I'm like, "Hey, this is Sia," which which was kind of funny. I didn't I, I didn't realize it until uh, in, in, until the hug. So that was kind of fun, you know. And obviously, you know, the 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 club uh, draws up uh, uh, some 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 pretty big names, you know, the whole Ted Lasso group and. And those folks, and and my son and my daughter actually were really mad at me because I didn't go to the last game. And we all know who showed up, you know, Snoop Dogg. And so I I, I ate a little crow on that one because uh, uh, I was trying to make it out to the game on the 13th and the 16th, but unfortunately my work uh, got in the way. Yeah, well, good thing
0: for those uh those drug tests at work that you weren't hanging out too close <laughs> to Snoop there. <laughs>
1: You have to, uh, you know, find out from Rich ahead of time, like, hey, man, who's coming to these matches? So I know whether or not my kids are going to give me a hard time for missing it.
2: Right, right.
1: But you know it's all really exciting. We're looking forward to it. I mean, this is just the second year, and I believe it was a four-year contract initially from the initial. Oh, five years, five years. Uh, for, so you know, I mean, there's still plenty of flex that we're gonna have for the years to come. We really appreciate you coming on, Joe. You know, it. We we this partnership has been such a a beneficial one for the people in the LAFC community. And uh, we just wanted to say thank you again for coming on and sharing your stories. And we, you know, anytime, anytime there's ever, anything you want to talk about in the flex community, you're more than welcome to come back on the show and give us an update. Yeah. I just want to piggyback
0: on that by saying, you know, thank you for the support that not only you've given the club, but, the community as well too. You know, you talk to a lot of people that are construction workers that work around LAFC, and the folks at Flex have been eternally kind to them. Uh, you've been very gracious to our show, and certainly, um, you know, other members of the Pod Fam as well too. So, you know, it's so nice to see um, a sponsor, and, and certainly, nothing against YouTube TV; they were great with us as well too. But uh, you know, to see a sponsor come in uh, and have such an impact in the community uh, as well as you know be the sponsorship uh, on the front, you know, right there underneath the crest. Um, Flex has really lived up to that. And, And I would agree, many people did not know who Flex was when this deal came out. Um, and I have to say, our initial experience with the brand has been overwhelmingly positive. So thank you to everything that you guys are doing, not only for the club, but for the community as well.
2: Well, I love to hear that. And, you know, our, our hope is to do a lot more. It's I, I feel that it's really us that should be thanking you all. Um, you know, when we launched this brand, we wanted to make sure that we were attaching it, you know, to to something that had the same you know, emotion. The the, the same um, you know uh, mission you know a, a, as us, and um, it, it's it's been it's been amazing to meet so many people, not just passionate about the team, but passionate about doing good. And you know, we're just looking forward to you know continuing to work you know within the community, you know doing um, you know the, the the charity work that we've done so far. You know, the habitat piece has been nice, but you know there's a lot more to do, and we're looking forward to continue to to supporting the LA community and uh, the team and the fans and uh, look forward to a long long relationship.
0: You know, I don't know if you know this but uh LAFC's starting trumpeter Uh, the gentleman who plays the do it for LA trumpet piece before the start of every match works with Habitat for Humanity Los Angeles and had nothing but nice things to say about Flex's involvement with Habitat for Humanity when we had him on the show about a month ago. So, um, you know, other people out there in the community singing your praises as well, too, not just us. But uh, once again, Joe, we'd like to thank you so much for coming on shoulder to shoulder podcast. Uh, We have one final question for you, and we've asked this question of you before, but uh, when a guest comes back on the show, sometimes you know given a spin a few years down the road i think gosh it was 50 episodes ago that we had you on the show here so perhaps perhaps now you can you can view this through a little different light and that is of course joe what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you sir
2: you know it's part of a community i think that um it's more than a team right and i would say that's what it means to me more than a team brilliant
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us, folks. Once again, our guest today has been Joe Churop. He is the Chief Marketing Officer for Flex Power Tools. Please give them a follow at Flex Power Tools NA for North America. There's some really cool stuff you can see on their social media. You guys do a great job with it. The competitions, the giveaways, there's tons of stuff there. Uh, we really appreciate you and Flex joining us. Of course, Flex. It's what's next. We really thank you so much for coming and joining us. Folks, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Landon Cottom, who is today's opponent correspondent to get us all prepped for Austin FC. Catch you on the other side. Hey, it's Kevin Frazier from Entertainment Tonight. And listen, I am an LAFC super fan. So I always make sure I download and listen to shoulder-to-shoulder podcasts. They keep me updated. But more importantly, I get to listen to these dudes' opinions about the team I love the most. Keep doing your thing, guys. Joining us this week is our opponent correspondent for Austin FC is Landon Cottom. You can give him a follow at El Viejero 87 He joins us from Moontown Soccer. You can follow them at or www.moontowersoccer.com. Thank you, Landon, so much for joining Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast.
1: Y'all, thanks for having me. It's, it's uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back. Absolutely, man. We appreciate you making time out of your day. Unfortunately, Jeremiah, his counterpart is not able to make this episode. We wish him well. And, uh, you know, we're just excited to get into another week. Uh, this is going to be a heavy hitting matchup this weekend.
0: We really appreciate you coming back and joining us. So currently right now, Austin sitting 14, 6 and 6, second place, as we well know, in the Western Conference, 48 points. Uh, July, a fantastic month for Los Verde, going 4-1-1. One and one. August off to a slightly slower start, you could say, at 1-1-1 so far. Just that one loss against Minnesota United. Before we kind of dive into some of the changes in the roster that are going on around the team, why don't you just kind of catch us up on the state of the club since the last time the black and gold took on the black and verde?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the last time that when Austin came to L.A., I think there was hopes that this Austin team was for real. And that game go- going to LAFC and beating LAFC, it was, we didn't do it in like the most beautiful way, but, um, I think that was kind of a turning point for the way that people, I think in Austin and outside of Austin thought about this team and were like, okay, this team might be for real there. I don't, maybe they're, they aren't going to fall off. Like everyone thought they were going to, and I think since then they've kind of continued to prove that. A few missteps along the way, still, which we'll probably get into and talk about. But it's it's an exciting team to watch, and and a team that I I don't think anybody at this point can deny is is not a very good team.
1: For those of you that that don't recall, the final score of that uh, <clears throat> match against LAFC in Austin was two to one. Uh, Ruben Gabrielson had the header in the thirteenth minute, and then Diego Fagundes came in with the eightieth, and then Carlos Vela got us a penalty for a little bit of uh I guess redemption so that we didn't get shut out at home but I mean all in all I think that Austin was the better team that day and and they had shown it in the pitch and so I am really looking forward to this match because I think that there is a lot of opportunity for the the two different teams to really showcase their ability you know at that point in time LAFC was a different squad with different personnel same thing with Austin Um, can you talk to us about some of the players that have come and gone? Let's start with your biggest signing of Emilio, uh, Emiliano Rigoni.
3: Yeah. So Rigoni just got into town over the weekend. And so he hasn't even made a match day squad yet. Um, has only been in training for well, today's Tuesday. He's been in training for two days now. And so we're hoping that he's going to be ready to play on Friday. At least he won't start, but at least be on the bench and be an option, um, The guy's exciting. Uh, He's had a rough year this year in Brazil with Sao Paulo, but last season looked really good, had a good season with uh, Zen at St. Petersburg was loaned out a few times after that he's, he's had kind of an up and down career, but having watched a fair amount of film on him at this point, he's extremely talented. He's he's going to immediately step in and be just on raw ability. He will be the second most talented player on this Austin team after C. So um, I, it might be a bit before he's actually bedded in. And I know Josh Wolf is particular with how well-versed a player is in his system before he'll really trust them and, and lean on them. So it might be a bit before he gets bedded in. And Really may end up being a signing for next year more than this year, but the guy looks really good.
0: Must be nice to have your new signings already able to train with the team. As our new signing is currently training by himself, awaiting some visa issues. But oh,
3: uh... uh, we we had the same thing. Rigoni signed I don't know over a month ago now, and we just now got
0: him into town. So uh, we were in the same boat for sure. <laughs> All these lovely videos of Denny Bawanga training by himself are are, are nice to see, but a little sad that it's not out there with the rest of the boys. But, uh, you know, other than him, LAFC have uh, two big signings, you could say, marginally, Big signings, I suppose, this offseason already, tongue in cheek. Um, but there's a second signing coming in for Austin as well, too, we wanted to touch on. Uh, you've got a currently right now with an option to purchase coming up this December. Uh, in Washington, Caroso, who you've brought in from Sporting Cristal in Peruvia. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the Peruvian signing um, and what he brings to the squad?
3: Yeah, I think Caroso is probably going to be more of a depth option he missed this last match day wasn't even in the squad with a, a minor injury I think they're expecting him to be back for the for the game on Friday but uh he's again just um, a dynamic winger and he he and Ragoni are both not not the same player Ragoni is much more experienced much more seasoned and frankly just more skilled um, but Caroso is kind of in a similar mold just a, a dynamic. Pacey winger can beat guys one-on-one and Austin don't really have guys like that. And so getting these two guys to where they're up to speed with everything and available will give us a change of pace because the closest thing we have to that at this moment is Ethan Finley and Ethan Finley has his, uh, his attributes that, and he's had a really good season this year, but there's just certain things that nobody on our current squad can do. And both of these guys can do it to, to various degrees. Uh,
1: another another noteworthy uh, transaction that's happened recently was parting ways with Cecilio Dominguez, uh, who is actually now with Santos Laguna in Liga Amekis. Uh Talk to us a little bit about how it took place, what led to the parting of ways, and ultimately how did the fan base feel about him leaving?
3: Yeah, it's a weird one, man. Like stories come out about his suspension we hear that it's some t- having to do with some type of domestic disturbance. People start doing some digging, find out that this is not the first time something like this has happened. He was accused of uh, of physical abuse, sexual abuse on his, his partners, the same woman both times. So in Paraguay the first time, here in Austin the second time. The second, what happened here in Austin, it seems like there was no physical abuse. It was more kind of verbal, emotional type stuff. And so because of that, there's a lot of people saying like, oh, this is going too far, going as far as defending Dominguez. But the within the supporters groups, the vast majority of them having looked into kind of the past and that this is not the first time, this is not a fluke thing, that this has happened before, the majority of the most involved fans wanted him gone and um, fully expecting him to probably have to be on the pitch again at some point. But to Austin FC front office's credit, they they listened to their fans and kept him out until they could uh, find a way to get rid of him one way or another. And it ended up being mutual termination of a contract, which is, again, crazy because what's Dominguez's incentive to do that? He can he's still getting paid for all this. So uh, he he got to go and play for another team. But it, it was I don't I think everybody was pretty shocked at the way that it worked out, but also pretty
0: pleased with the way that it worked out. It's always hard to sell addition by subtraction, but I think in this case, the player did the selling to the fan base himself, and it sounds like all parties are in a better place now. Um, Never like seeing a designated player leave for nothing, but in this case, it it certainly seems like that was the best possible scenario. Kind of shifting gears uh, to a happier topic for you, we wanted to talk about something we're, we're very happy that you guys get to experience and still very disappointed that we don't have this experience here in California. And that is, of course, Copa Tejas. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about for our fans that might not be familiar with what Copa Tejas is and and what it was like to take home that victory this year?
3: Yeah, it's so it's existed for a while. I don't know exactly when it started, but mostly with the the lower level teams in Texas. And whenever Austin became part of the MLS landscape, the people who kind of managed the operations of Copa Teos, I think they and supporters groups of the teams kind of got together and uh, wanted to figure out a way to make it, to include the MLS teams as well, so it's a way to do that but also because Dallas and Houston have been playing each other for so long we didn't want to butt in on whatever they have, so they have, honestly can't remember what it's called, but it's a cannon that they get to keep if they win Uh, And so they still have their thing, but then the, like there's another, this other competition between uh, all three teams that involves Austin as well. Uh, Last season, it ended up being the last Texas game that we played. We were already in, I don't know what place, very close to the bottom of the table, didn't really have much else to fight for. But had we beat FC Dallas in that game, we would have won Copa Teos and that would have meant a lot in a season like last season for Austin fans. And so it was the same thing this year. Uh, We have more to play for this season, but going to uh, FC Dallas and the last game between any Texas teams of the season and to go there. And we drew, uh, but that's all we needed. And so a lot of the local fans were confused as to why we were celebrating so much for a draw, but um, it felt good to, uh, I don't know, kind of cemented the rivalry. I know whenever Austin first joined uh, Houston and Dallas fans liked to pretend that it wasn't going to be a rivalry. And it it is so clearly is at this point. And I think Austin winning that trophy probably helped that cause a little bit. And I think it's good. Like, I think it's a good thing. I think the way that Austin has kind of made a splash has made the other two teams wake up a little bit. And then I'm hoping that we can do kind of the same thing between the uh, supporters groups and um, just, I don't know, rivalries are fun. So why not have more of them?
0: You know, it's funny. I think the same thing when LAFC first came into the league, you know, Galaxy kept saying, oh, you're not our real rival. Like, you know, our real rival is San Jose. And, you know, it's funny how fast forward five years and no one, no one talks about the galaxy san jose earthquakes rivalry it's all about lafc versus galaxy right so some of these things just need a little bit of space and air and time and and they'll develop for themselves and you know here in california we don't get to pass el capitan the cannon back and forth um in our derbies i think we're all still really really disappointed that the golden state cup never got off the ground um by all accounts lafc and san jose were on board Uh, But it was the Galaxy who refused to partake in the Mm. California Cup. So, dun, 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 some spiciness (laughs) there. But uh, uh, congratulations to you guys. And I think we're just jealous here on the West Coast that we don't get our version of that. The
3: two teams who lose it in a given year, I'm sure will always say it doesn't matter. But whenever you win it, it it sure feels good.
1: So I, I'm curious, cause you had said that there was the lower division teams that also had participated in this, uh, you know, so is it two, there's two different brackets. And so there's two tech, there's going to be two different trophies awarded based on, uh, the USL sides and the MLS sides.
3: Yeah. And then there's also a, um, another competition that they keep track of that. I believe it ends up going by points per game, but, It includes uh, NWSL teams as well. So essentially every level of soccer in Texas, like professional soccer in Texas, whoever has the, I think it's points per game, but whoever has that, regardless of division or level wins. And so any, like, it's a fun way to kind of like participate between the levels as well. It's not, we're not all playing each other necessarily, but um, I, I think it's cool how they've kind of tried to involve everybody in it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, there's still going to be plenty of time in the history of this league to form these these types of competitions, and you know, I think the the examples of like the Cascadia Cups and and the uh, Copa Tejas, those are you know just examples of how you can make rivalries and local matches even more appealing. And I'm hoping that you'll start to see more and more of these throughout the league.
0: Yeah, I'm still, I'm still bitter. We don't have the Golden State Cup, but, <laughs> but I'll let it go. Let's get back to, to the match at hand here. So let's go ahead and preview this upcoming match. So uh, all time versus LAFC, Austin have one win and three losses, the one win coming at the bank 2-1 this year. So given the fact that you know both teams have a little bit of fluctuation in lineup, new players coming in, players departing for both sides, it's going to be a slightly different squad than when at it earlier this season here at the bank. Obviously, Ilya Sanchez getting the red card in the last game is going to be a massive miss for LAFC. So what are your predictions for this match? Who do you think is going to make the starting 11 for Austin? And how do you think this game is going to play out?
3: I would be pretty surprised if we didn't see the same starting 11 that we've seen for the last two Austin games. We kind of have... A best 11 at this moment i think the bigger question for austin is who makes the bench we have new signings coming in we have some guys coming back from injury and the competition to even make the the match day roster now is getting pretty stiff and there's guys who have started a lot of games this year who at some point later on this year might not even be making match day squads but i think um th- Maxi Ruti against Minnesota looked a little tired. Drewsi actually kind of had a bad game, which is not a thing I think I've ever said. Um, but he didn't look great against Minnesota. So I it wouldn't shock me to see a change or two, but this starting eleven seems to be Wolf's guys at this moment.
1: So looking at uh, you know, this match coming up, are are you expecting a victory from uh austin fc or are you expecting it to be a close match are you you know are are you thinking that you know the 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 club itself is is you know going to be able to rebound from their loss i mean both of us were both coming off of losses immediately so it's interesting to see how they're both going to come out and play
3: yeah and and you mentioned coming off losses i know lafc's lost quite a few road games recently austin hasn't been able to win a home game recently and so uh, I I I have no idea what to predict here. We had um, Austin FC's English language commentator, Adrian Healy, on our show recently. And he, when asking about predicting what's going to happen for the rest of the season, he said something that rang very true to me. And he said, the, the prediction game is a mugs game. <laughs> and I think that's especially true in MLS. And so I have no clue what's going to happen in this game. I don't really know how these teams are going to play. I could see, because Austin changed what they did whenever they went to LAFC last time. I wouldn't be surprised to see them do something like that. I wouldn't be surprised to see LAFC do something like that and maybe play a bit more conservatively and beat us on the break because we've shown that that's something that you can do to Austin pretty easily for the most part. And so um, I have no idea what's going to happen. I do expect it to be entertaining though. And I think if we get that, then everybody wins. But um, as far as a result, like, you don't know what Austin team you're gonna get. You don't know if you're gonna get the these unbeatable underdogs or like comeback ke- comeback kids, or we might give up three goals in the first
0: ten minutes. Last I checked, uh, Austin FC was still retaining a six percent chance uh, in the odds at winning the Supporters Shield. Like, let's get hypothetical and say Austin takes a victory this weekend versus LAFC. Do you think the team has it in the tank to surpass LAFC in points and hoist its first ever supporter shield this season? Or is it a foregone (sighs) conclusion at this point that LAFC are going to take it?
3: Okay. So let's say Austin wins this Friday. That would put, that would put Austin only six points back, right? That's correct. 57
0: 51. Yeah.
3: With eight ish games left. So like, it's not impossible. Um, if we lose this game, it's absolutely impossible at this point. But uh, I think that would maybe be like the most exciting thing for the Western Conference and maybe the league to happen is if Austin wins and makes it uh, a more of a real a real chase with both Austin and LAFC, but also with Philadelphia, who's flying right now. But um yeah, maybe, maybe y'all should throw this for the for the good of the casual I mean, fan. I, I'm
1: gonna be honest with you. I'm okay with it because uh, statistically, the Supporters Shield winning team doesn't go on to win the MLS Cup. So I don't go. personally want to win the Supporters Shield. <laughs> like I, 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 would, I would definitely hope that uh, we, uh, you know, go on and uh, and go and get ourselves the MLS Cup. If we were to have to pick one over the other, right? I will um, take
0: that CCL spot in a heartbeat I'm not kicking that out oh, at all. I guess that's, and, that's true it's true and that's for all those European fans watching us you know they look at the shield very differently than we might here in the US right mm-hmm. a lot of people in Europe consider the shield winner to be the winner um and not maybe in the same respect that we do with our post-season tournament winner being the MLS cup winner but but, you know, I'm just saying that CCL spot, you know, that's kind of that's kind of what a lot you of know, teams I, are playing I, for, right?
1: I hadn't really thought about that either, right? That's the guaranteed CONCA uh, Champions League spot. I guess I have to redact my statement. I stand corrected. <laughs> Seattle
3: might might tell you that
0: you don't want the Champions League spot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they're happy with that CCL (laughs) victory. Uh, You know, all the fans we've spoken to, they're like, MLS season? What MLS season? We won CCL. (laughs) So, you know, I think we'd all take a down year in order to hoist a a, a Conca champions. But uh, I suppose that brings us to our final question. Looking past Friday and looking at the rest of the season, Um, What are the realistic expectations for Austin as far as where you think they're going to finish in the table? And what do you think this young team is going to do in the postseason? Uh, I think we're going to finish second. It just like looking at
3: the gap on either side of Austin right now on the table, a lot of crazy stuff would have to happen for us to not end up in second place. Um, As far as the longer term possibilities, especially if Emiliano Ragoni hits even relatively soon in the next three or four weeks, we can have him playing close to the potential that I think he can play. This team could go pretty far um, just because most games they've been scoring goals for fun. And if we can bring in, like I said, that, like that dynamic winger that we seem to be really be missing at this moment, um, maybe we'll score even more goals. And the the concern though is the it's not even poor defense necessarily cuz even in games where we've been defensively solid we make mistakes that lead to just give away goals and so until that stops happening on a consistent basis i don't have super high hopes for austin going really far in the playoffs um I think they have the the skill and the ability and the potential to go far in the playoffs. If they, they hit a run, like, like they did in July, they could beat anybody, but if they have a run like we have for the last month or so, they're not going to make it out of the first round.
1: Either way, I think it's going to be an exciting time for the Austin fan base and the Los Angeles FC fan base. Uh, playoff football is always the most entertaining time. And, you know, it will be definitely a lot of fun to see, uh the stadium Q two stadium in Austin in a playoff atmosphere. I know that when we've gone to that stadium, you know we've like we've said before, the Verde fans have been very welcoming, and so the atmosphere itself um eerily similar to that at the bank not not a, not exactly the same at the <laughs> bank, but but close right and uh it's it's always been a lot of fun so i I, i'm looking forward to seeing that atmosphere and that fan base get up for a playoff match and and if you are in second you're going to be hosting a lot of home matches
3: yeah i mean q2 is electric on a wednesday night in august and so for for it to be a playoff game uh with the the lights on like that's going to be something special and that's the thing that on our show and like, like in our friend group that we've been trying to um just remind Austin FC fans of like enjoy this like this is special and so even if we only make it one one round deep into the playoffs like the season was really cool especially after what happened last year like just to be able to see a guy like Drewsi play like this week in and week out and to have a good team to support week in and week out like we know what the alternative looks like and so I, I don't think anybody's taking this for
0: granted. So one last question before we let you go. For all of the black and gold faithful traveling out to Austin, tough question, close to the stadium, what's the best barbecue spot? Oh, man. So I live on the opposite side of town from the stadium.
3: I know there is a place up there called Slab, I believe, that's actually really close to the stadium. So that's not a bad bet. I know everybody – he hears about franklin's but don't go there terry Blacks,
1: go to terry black's it's franklin's, such a shorter line
3: franklin's is phenomenal it's really good it but, is. but but it, but
1: i mean the line yeah. that you have to stand in right terry black's is like just a touch below but the line of terry black's is like nothing
3: yeah if you take like some chairs and a cooler and make a party of it franklin's is worth it but if you're just looking to get lunch, Terry Black's is a great bet. Uh, La Barbecue on the east side is a great bet. And then I, I've never even been to Slab up north by the stadium, but I've heard it's good. So not a bad shout. If, you, if you're if you coming and you're going to spend some time in, in the central Texas area, driving out to Lockhart would be probably your best bet. So you'll get to see a little bit more of like not city Texas, and there's like four spots out there that are all killer.
0: That's see, I, I knew you were never going to give us just one answer. You ask any <laughs> Texan about barbecue, and you will always get minimum three answers from them. This has been my life experience. Um, so either way, it sounds like no matter which place anyone goes, there's going to be some good eats out there. Well, uh, that about wraps us up for our opponent correspondent section. We'd really like to thank Landon Cotton for joining us. Please give him a follow at El Viejero 87. Please give Moon Tower Soccer a follow. You can check out MoontowerSoccer.com or follow them at moon tower soccer landon thank you so much for joining us folks we'll be right back after the short break with the final segment of today's show this is nick cajola starting trumpet player for LAFC, and you are listening to the shoulder to shoulder podcast do it for la all right chris we've heard from our opponent correspondent we are all ready for austin fc on friday so I have some thoughts about this game, but fortunately, I get to go last. So my friend, what are your predictions and thoughts on this upcoming match?
1: I think that LAFC is going to bounce back and we're going to pull out a victory in Austin. Um, I think that it needs to be done because this is definitely an opponent that we are more than likely. With there's the, There is the possibility that we could see this opponent late into the playoffs. Um, And we want to have the confidence going into that match that we are able to beat them. If we lose this match this upcoming Friday, that will have been two losses in the regular season. And, you know, you just don't want to have that kind of hanging over your head uh, when you go to try and play them in the playoffs when the win matters. Um, So I think that LAFC will come out. They're going to play well. Granted, we're not going to have Ilya Sanchez, but uh I think that the team is going to practice in a way this week to to give whoever it is that's going to fill into that that role as the six. They're gonna give them that opportunity to get comfortable. And uh I'm excited. I think that it's gonna be a really fun match, and I look forward to actually watching it.
0: So I, I am very concerned about the Ilya Sanchez red card. We have seen Too many times over the course of the last three, four months that when one of our starting midfielders is out or both of them in this last game, uh, or two of the three, it's a different LAFC out there. I I think we all predict that Acosta is going to slide back and take the defensive mid role with Sifu and Blessing likely being up top, although it could be Mendez as well too, or he could come in to spell Acosta late. I definitely think that says that the midfield is going to be a little more difficult for LAFC to work through. So does that mean Segura is going to get more forward? Does that mean Murillo is going to get more forward or Kalini is going to come more forward and help kind of play that deep distributing role? Um, Sanchez has done a lot to help break lines and move the ball forward for us. I have concerns with him out. Um, you know, I think Escobar, Palacios, Hollingshead, I'm okay with our outside back situation. Uh, we'll see what's happening up top with forwards. As of right now, we still have a Raito. We still do not have a a Denny Buonga, uh, and any other rumored Tejo signings or anything like that are still sort of on the horizon. I don't think we're going to see Danny Trejo get any minutes. I think it's probably going to be Opoku, Vela, Arango up top again. Um, you know, are we going to be able to break this Austin team down? There's another little thought in the back of my mind that says, you know, look, we don't necessarily need three points from this game, but we need to make sure Austin doesn't get the three points because we don't want to give them any hope in the supporter shield. So does it behoove LAFC to play for the tie? knowing that perhaps we don't want to show them something that we might want to hold off if we potentially face them in the playoffs. So, Chris, I'm curious, do you think there's any incentive for LAFC to not show all their cards in this game, maybe not play a Gareth Bale or a Giorgio Chiellini, just to save something back uh, for if we do inevitably face them in the playoffs?
1: Well, we're not going to be showing all of our cards because we're not going to have LA Sanchez. Um, So automatically, this is not going to be the exact same lineup barring injury that we would anticipate seeing in a playoff situation. Um, And with that said, I think that LAFC is going to want to prove to themselves that they are able to still find a way to win, regardless of the personnel that are on the pitch. Um, So I would anticipate that the idea of hanging back and settling for a draw is not going to be plan number one. Uh, I think that LAFC is going to want to come out and they're going to want to win and they're going to want to show dominance regardless of having Ilya Sanchez. Because imagine this too. If LAFC were to come out and win in Austin without Ilya Sanchez, how much confidence is that going to put in this club for when they do face potentially Austin FC in the playoffs with Ilya Sanchez?
0: Brilliant. All right, sir. What's your score prediction for the match on Friday?
1: I think it's going to be close, and I think it's going to be a higher scoring affair, right? Because we are not going to have Villiers Sanchez, I think that LAFC is going to give up um, two goals. But I think that at the end of the day, LAFC is going to win three to two.
0: I I love your optimism. I'm going to go with the two two draw. Um, I just think that uh, the absence of Villiers Sanchez in the midfield is going to be a lot bigger than uh, than we might think. Um, But I still think this team is perfectly capable of putting up a couple. I just think right now we're also perfectly capable of giving up a couple. And I think both teams are going to not push everything out there to win this battle knowing that there's still likely a Western Conference finals matchup between these two things, if all things play out according to plan. And if we know anything about playoff soccer, you could throw the plans right out the window. But this is definitely the match of the month. This is something we've all had circled on our calendars for some time. It's burritos versus tacos. It's going to be a good match there in Tejas. I'm excited to all the 3252 heading out there. Have fun. Be safe. Let's uh, see everybody repping the black and gold with pride and class. Go out there and get yourself some of that tasty barbecue. I am jealous. I will be watching this one from work because, unfortunately, I have to work on Friday. But uh, I'm rooting for the black and gold all the way. Hopefully, my prediction's wrong and we go out and smoke them 4 or 5 nil. Put up a big statement game here in the Western Conference. With that, folks, that's going to go ahead and bring us to the end of episode 132. We'd like to thank Joe Turoff, Chief Marketing Officer for Flex Tools, for coming and joining us once again as our guest this week. We'd also like to thank the return of Landon Cott, who is our opponent correspondent for Austin FC. You can give them a follow at Moontown Soccer. On behalf of myself, Jonathan, Chris, Christian, the legend, sound engineer, Wilton, congratulations on his upcoming nuptials. I just got my save the date reminder in the mail We're super excited that doves is getting himself hitched this coming off season looking forward to those wedding plans but wilton we wanted to send out a big congratulations to you we are all looking forward to that wedding we will be there black and gold suits ready to rock my friend thank you folks for listening to episode 132 sticks take us home
2: together this our culture from the force of a supernova stay fly in that fc dorsum.
0: hey shopping down to nikki's koreatown Liddy. keep us old mommy about to drop her
1: a they want me to stop but i ain't come to my house i defend that bank.